Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of There Is More To It. I am Easton. A quick disclaimer before we get going, and this disclaimer will be with every episode that we do. These episodes are not intended for anything other than educational purposes. I suggest that you talk with a physician if you are thinking of implementing any of the changes discussed in any of these episodes. And with that finished up, we can begin episode 8. We'll continue on our diabetes series. We'll change a few topics today, and it will be uh, what are the recommendations for glycemic control and what can you expect uh, as far as treatment as the disease progresses or if it continues to be uncontrolled. Other topics that we'll also include in today's episode is what is the effect of exercise with type 2 diabetes and also how does weight loss affect type 2 diabetes. So let's start off with glycemic control. Uh, one of the most important things that we can discuss in this uh, realm and with any realm, especially in healthcare, is what is the goal? Uh, oftentimes we use uh, the A1C level or the hemoglobin A1C level as the goal and something that we try to make sure uh, is low or at an appropriate spot. Uh, why hemoglobin A1C? is an effective measure of glycemic control is it usually averages about three months. So the lifespan of a red blood cell is around 90 days and uh, those red blood cells are the ones that have this hemoglobin A1C attached to it. And so we're able to measure that. So it gives us a pretty good average of what an individual has been running close to as far as their blood glucose levels. So uh, A1C is oftentimes used as a marker. Uh, for most individuals uh, without uh, significant um, comorbidities or significant age, uh, a appropriate and reasonable goal recommended by the ADA is less than 7%. Uh, remember, the diagnosis for uh, type 2 diabetes happens at 6.5% or greater. So we're just on that elevated side of that. Uh, some recommendations uh, could give you as low as 6.5% or lower, uh, but those are usually pretty stringent and that is definitely uh, patient selective. Um, and the thing that we have to worry about uh, with that low of an A1C at times is the risk of hypoglycemia. Um, and that's true with any of our type 2 diabetes medications. We want to control the blood sugar uh, and to keep it lower without getting it too low. Uh, so that's important. But goals that are usually less than 6.5 are for individuals with long life expectancies um, and also individuals that do not have significant significant cardiovascular disease or heart disease. Uh, depending on the age of a person um, or if they have severe uh, hyperglycemia or have had severe hypoglycemia in the past uh, as well, uh, you might see a goal of anywhere around less than eight. Uh, but let's get into how we can attack and, and approach that goal. Uh, Although it should be individualized, we usually start kind of in a stepwise fashion uh, with step one being lifestyle modifications. We have talked quite a bit about diet and a diet should be individualized per person, uh, but other things that are important and we'll discuss them later in this episode 
is an increase in physical activity, especially exercise, that can definitely help uh, to lower uh, blood glucose and increase glycemic control through multiple mechanisms. Uh, oftentimes, the first-line medication for a patient uh, is that is used is a medication called metformin. Uh, metformin is a relatively inexpensive medication, um, and it is relatively well tolerated, and it has been shown to have uh, potential benefits with heart disease, and it definitely is really good at lowering um, blood glucose. And one of its main ways of doing that is it inhibits a process called gluconeogenesis. So that is the body's, mainly the liver's responsibility for increasing the amount of glucose um, that is in the blood when it senses it being lower. So if we have a medication that does that, it is not a medication that increases our insulin. Uh, it is a medication that can definitely have some very good health benefits. And again, like like I said earlier, it is relatively inexpensive. Uh, if blood glucose is still not well controlled with uh, the addition of uh, metformin, our lifestyle changes, diet, exercise, uh, you might see the addition of other medications. Uh, these include sulfonylureas, uh, DPP-4 inhibitors, GLP-1 receptor agonists, or SGL-2 inhibitors. Uh, what's important with those especially our SGLT2 inhibitors and our GLP-1 agonists, those seem to have some pretty good weight um, loss. So as you look at different medication options and work with your physician, it's important to ask them, hey, does this medication have a, a net benefit, so a weight loss, uh, or can I expect to see some weight gain? So, so with sulfonylureas, for example, you may see some weight gain as sulfonylureas usually help the pancreas secrete even more insulin, and insulin does drive weight gain, uh, and increasing our weight uh, it can lead to even more insulin uh, resistance, again, potentially worsening the diabetes um, just on the undercover. Uh, but it looks better, right? Like we can control our blood glucose levels and we feel better that way. And we'll get into what glucotoxicity is later. And that can definitely be a an important adverse effect. But as we go through our um, the different medications and as you uh, may experience them or have experienced them, um, if you're a listener, uh, and you have type 2 diabetes, uh, some of these medications can be very beneficial, but others can potentially uh, maybe mask a problem. Um, and that problem being the too high of insulin and our body not responding well enough to that insulin. And, you know, do we then have the choice of do we just increase our insulin even more, um, potentially even worsening our problem? Uh, that is a potential issue with it. Um, if our glucose control is still not well controlled, even with the addition of multiple medications, lifestyle changes. Uh, an individual, even with type 2 diabetes, may be put on insulin. And again, as we just got through that discussion with sulfonylureas, uh, that could um, help in the short term, but is it 
hurting in the long term. Uh, those are things that have not been completely delineated. Um, we will get into the effect of insulin and cardiovascular disease and, and those certain things later on, but it is at least something to consider as uh, you as a patient or uh, you are have a family member or a loved one that has type 2 diabetes, if they are on insulin or other drugs that increase insulin, uh, it's important to, to see, okay, what is the long-term uh, benefit or risks of doing this sort of thing? Uh, as insulin, again, will drive weight gain. And if we're uh, needing weight loss to be uh, effective at treating our type 2 diabetes or preventing further complications, uh, Maybe it's only helping in the short term, uh, but it could also be helping in the long term. We'll, we will get into those certain things that it can be protective over um, and other things that we're just not quite sure if it's very protective. So uh, let's, get in, let's get into the effect of exercise with type 2 diabetes. Uh, it is very important, um, especially as you begin an exercise program or an individual does that has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes, exercise in and of itself can be helpful at uh, increasing energy utilization, which is what blood glucose is. It's the body's way of transporting around glucose to help fuel the cells in the body. So as our muscles are becoming more active and they're uh, being utilized more, uh, then our energy expenditure goes up and then that glucose goes down. Uh, it's important then uh, to not just re-eat uh, those calories and say, oh, hey, we were in a, a net negative deficit. Uh, I can I can eat more. Uh, you know, I think exercise plays a role in a sustainable lifestyle uh, change that you can have with your life, but don't then let it uh, give you freedom to uh, make poor choices. You know, I think uh, it's all about balance in life and not uh, becoming too unbalanced and saying, hey, I did this so I can I can now do that. I, I think that's kind of a, uh, a misnomer and, and shouldn't be uh, how we approach this sort of thing. Um, important to know that although exercise can be helpful um, in losing weight, uh, it is not near as strong as diet. So diet is usually the thing that can be most beneficial um, for weight loss, um, even more beneficial than exercise. So, uh, and again, uh, we will get into now how weight loss uh, can affect type 2 diabetes. Uh, studies have shown that modest weight loss, so even around 5 to 10% of what your initial body weight is, can improve your blood sugar control. Uh, you can notice uh, quite a bit of a, a decrease um, in that. It can even be very significant. Um, it also will reduce your risk at the diabetes-related com uh, complications, especially longstanding and poorly treated or undertreated diabetes, um, which can lead to heart disease, kidney, kidney disease, and neuropathy. Um, can lead to uh, poor healing wounds as well. Um, and again, as we've discussed, and I can't overemphasize this enough, sustainability. If we could have weight loss that is sustainable, especially in type 2 diabetes, it could lead to much better effects for individuals. So uh, as we uh, look at weight loss, I think that your weight loss goal, um, and that should again be individualized per person, should be based off of your starting weight, should be uh, 
based off of your current health status. As you use exercise, you use diet uh, to help combat diabetes. Uh, work with uh, your physician, um, potentially even uh, get uh, ancillary a trained healthcare professional help as well um, to help you go through this. So uh, make sure that you utilize your resources, especially if you have them, or to help others utilize their resources too. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, this is uh, There is More To It, and goodbye.